It works. Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, I know that we have a few new people here today. We seem to have that every Sunday now. So let me just say a few things before I say some of these things. Look, man, I'm a sinner, too. I'm in this mess with you. I get up every day the same way you do. I hope to get the right shoe on the right foot. And I just pray that I'm not going to do any harm today just like you do. So we have a saying here that we're not here to tell you what to think. Um, We don't have that position in life. We're just here to invite you um, into some things to think about. And so with that in mind, please pray with me, a sinner. I know you're here. I can feel your presence. I know you're moving in this space. Lord, for folks that are new to this, I just pray that you would allow them to open up just a little bit to the possibility that something more powerful than them is at work in their life. We're not here to define you, Lord. We're just here to create a space where you can move and then get ourselves out of the way. Lord, for those who are familiar with your presence, I pray that they would know your presence in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So, anybody here ever been disappointed? Ever had that happen? One hand goes up. My hand goes up. It stings to be disappointed. You know, disillusioned. It hurts. But today I want to go a little bit deeper because I got to get at a deeper kind of emotion, a deeper place of being. So I'm going to use the word today, rejection. Right? You know, if you have never been rejected, God bless you. You know, if you were born with beauty and handsomeness and brains and money and all that good stuff and people have always chased after you and you've never chased after somebody, God bless you, man. It's just not my journey. But I I think that in this gathering, we have all known what it's like to be rejected. And by that, I mean that we put out our best We pour every ounce of our goodness into someone only to have that person take it for granted. Or maybe worse, twist it and use it to set a trap for other people or even to set a trap for us. To have it weaponized, that goodness weaponized and used against us. It's heartbreaking to love someone And not only have that love rejected, but to have that love abused and used to break our hearts. Read something from the book of Genesis. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. 
So I've got to play in the Hebrew language a minute because if we don't understand Hebrew, we won't get at the pain and anguish of this reading. In Hebrew, if a word, in, in Hebrew literature, if a word is used three times, sort of three synonyms side by side, it means there's no daylight. It means it's only that. It means there's nothing else. And this sets some words side by side, only evil continually. There's nothing else. And what had happened was something had crawled out of the chaos and into the Garden of Eden and turned Adam and Eve into liars. And liars gave birth to murderers and murderers to liars and murderers, and through the generations, this darkness, this chaos, this insanity had spread. A poison had been sown into God's creation. A vestige of this primordial chaos that was here before there was a here. Insanity, chaos, suffering, had taken root and spread to the point of hopelessness. Now look, I'm not going to lie. You don't hear me use that word sin very much because it's got a whole lot of luggage attached to it. <clears throat> but this gets at it, right? This gets at what it is. I don't want you to feel all yucky when we hear that word. I can't help it because the church has done some damage with it. But look, it's in all of us. And I'm, I'm not going to lie because a sinful life starts off fun. Because the demons want to dance with you for a little bit. They come dressed up as everything you've ever wanted. And they don't take that mask off until they own you. And what starts off fun and a little bit naughty ends up in a hell that we can't get ourselves out of. It's what is, folks. If you want to see what that hell looks like, come out with us sometime. But for most of you, I don't need to describe it because you've been there. That's why I don't hand out those tracks, those little documents that say you're going to hell if you don't believe what I believe. Well, look, man, I've already been to hell. I can tell you what it smells like. I can tell you what it sounds like. And the reason I don't beat this congregation over the head with it is because most of us are sitting here because we've already been there. God looked upon this beautiful creation that he had made with his own hands and he saw the love of his heart afflicted and suffering with no hope of anything else. And this sin and suffering, it was in everything. It was in everything, like a drop of iodine in a bucket of water. Like a metastatic cancer that affects the whole body. And then this Hebrew does something else. And if you read different translations of the Bible, it gets translated differently. And when that happens, it's usually because the language in the Hebrew is too deep for a single English word. 
And I've chosen to use a version of the Bible <clears throat> that talks about what happens to God when he looks on this. And it says, and it grieved him to his heart. I'm going to stop a minute because it's really important that we hear this. It didn't make him mad. It didn't bring him to rage. It didn't cause him to fall into some white-hot anger. It grieved him to his heart. It broke God's heart. And I have come to believe that the flood that followed were the endless tears of a broken-hearted God. Richard Rohr wrote, your heart needs to be broken and broken open at least once to have a heart at all or to have a heart for others. I've come uh, to a place where I think that in order for us to, to get God, and I don't mean get God, I mean understand God, to get woke about God, to, to move around in the heart of God, our hearts, too, have to be broken open. And in the mud and in the aftermath of the destruction of the flood, God was again confronted by a reality that sin was still with us. That it was still in us. That our imaginations are still broken from our birth. And God swore to God's self that destruction would no longer be the path to redemption. Reconciliation would be. It's another big word. But it means to hug creation to God's heart. To make it right. To make it good again. And from that day to this day, God has been reconciling every lost thing to God's broken heart. Your heart has to be broken and broken open at least once to have a heart at all or to have a heart for others. I have sat in the ashes of my burned out life asking God why, even though I was holding the match, whole book of matches probably. And then one day I came to realize, oh, I know why. Because to have a heart at all, or a heart for others, our hearts have to be broken and broken open. And so this broken-hearted God sent prophets to tell the world of God's heart to go out into the broken places and try to explain that, look, man, the, the road you're on is just not going to take you to life. It's going to take you to suffering. But the God of love loves you. And you'd think the world would listen. They're prophets, right? They got T-shirts, something. Maybe a big P on their forehead. I don't know. I know it when I see it. I sure know it when I hear it. And the world stoned the prophets 
And they were silenced because the world just wasn't ready to hear it. So God sent his son, his prince, his own heart itself. Now surely the world would want to stop suffering. And surely they would listen to the son of God. But the darkest among them put him on a cross because that's what the darkest do. But the rest of us, the vulnerable, the exploited, the thugs, the drunks, the addicts, the lost, you know, surely we would stand up for him. He stood up for us. I mean, for sure, we would recognize him claim him. Sure, the people that followed him in Jerusalem and laid those palms, I mean, surely they would claim him. But when given the choice, they chose someone else and abandoned him to the cross. Now look, don't get confused because it was all a big setup. There is a darkness that's bigger than your darkness. It's the author of your darkness and all darkness. Bible talks about the Shatan, the Satan, the embodiment of this thing. It's embodied way back in the Garden of Eden as a serpent, something that crawls out of the insanity, the chaos that was here before there was a here. And whatever that force is set a trap, not for you, you're the bait for God. This darkness threw down the gauntlet gave God an impossible choice to stand with those he came to redeem, to be faithful to them, and let them kill his son, to remain faithful to the lost, or to get his son down. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I was on that cross... My daddy couldn't get me down because my daddy's a nobody just like me. And I'd die up there among all the other nobodies. And whether God was going to get me down or not get me down just wouldn't come up. Just wouldn't come up. Satan knew that. And so he put that pretty boy up there and looked at God and said, what you going to do now, big man? And if he had gotten up there and taken his son down, his son would have lived, but his son would be forever separated from you and me. Because, see, I don't need that special privilege kind of savior. I need somebody who's in this mess with me. Anything else just can't save me. And if he took him down, he would be separated from us forever. And at the cost of his own heart, God chose to be faithful to you and to me. Not so that God would know what it's like to suffer, because God knows what it's like to suffer. But so you would know that God knows what it's like to fight an addiction, 
what it's like to be in a difficult marriage, what it's like to have your life in the hands of somebody who doesn't care about your life. That's why. Not because God needed to know, but because we needed to know God knows. And in the wake of Jesus' suffering and death, something happened. Something that's symbolized in this meal that we're going to partake of at this table that is not our own. Something that's hidden here happened there. So hear these words from Matthew. At that moment, the moment of Jesus' death, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were even opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Look, man, I'm not reporting this. They're reporting this. But I need to get at some imagery again, some of the Hebrew that's buried in the Greek. What's happening is the, the inner sanctum of the temple, the heart of God, is God is ripping God's clothing. God is tearing his garments because his heart is being broken. And one would think that if this God's heart broke, that it would bring an end to all things. But to think that is to misunderstand things altogether. God's heart was broken, and it was broken open, and his blood, his life, the Hebrew word for blood is closely related to the Hebrew word for life, that poured out on the world so the world could heal. A wounded heart, now open, accessible to all of us. Folks, if you're wondering whether you're worthy, it's not about your worthiness. It's about the broken, open heart of God, open to all of you and even me. Hear these words from 1 Corinthians from Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed. See, there's that thing betrayed, rejected. On the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup too, after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Bread is the heart's flesh torn open. Drink is the blood, the life of Christ poured out on the world, poured out on you and me so that you can heal. Heal from your pain. Heal from your torments. Heal from the bedevilments that take over your brain. 
Heal from your failures. So you can heal. We're covered in his blood, absolutely. But his blood isn't death. It's life. We're covered in his life. We're covered by his life. Paul says something else in this letter to the Corinthians in the 10th chapter. He says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is, not a sh- is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is it not a sharing in that? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? And so today, we, the church of the redeemed and the forgiven, but still in need of a little more redemption, and in my case, a little more forgiveness, we're now his body. In the same way Jesus was his body, now we're his body. And we too have to be broken and broken open so that the life that we have found here can again and again pour out on a suffering world so that it too can heal. Our hearts need to be broken and broken open by the things that break God's heart open at least once in order to have a heart for God and a heart for others. We have a few minutes to talk among ourselves. If you're new here, it's a little weird because we talk to each other and we get to know each other. So I'm just going to give you a couple minutes to greet the people around you. If you're not around anybody, kind of get around somebody. Look, man, sin's not contagious. All right? You're not going to catch my stuff. I'm not going to catch yours. All right? So find somebody near you and share your takeaway today. What is it that God put on your heart today? Take a few minutes. Everybody had a chance to visit? All right. I'm getting a no. Keep going. I've been rejected. (laughs) How about now? Has everybody had a chance to share a takeaway? All right. If I can get an amen when you're done. Oh, and in case I forget, hey, Louie, there's mail in the booth for you, but in case I forget, <laughs> now that I have everybody's attention, look, I don't, I don't know what brought you here today. <clears throat> I don't know if you came because somebody said you had to. I don't know if you came because something inexplicable drove you here. I don't know if you came because this is what you do on Sunday morning, but I know you're here. I just want to offer something to you. Because look, I'm, I'm living proof. God's not done with me yet, and I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. 
And there is a higher power at work in my life doing things in me that I could never do for myself. So I'm just going to offer you something. Don't get bogged down in the pews and the weirdness of church. Because church ain't the thing. He's the thing. And if you're like me, nobody can talk me into it. I'm not that guy. Because if you can talk me into it, somebody else can talk me out of it. And I don't raise my hand because somebody standing up front said, raise my hand. Something happened in my life. I found myself in a space of rejection and suffering. And I wasn't open to the whole ball of wax, man. I just knew that I was out of control, that what was going on in me was bigger than me. So I just had to open myself up, not to the definition of it, not to somebody else's idea of it, just to the possibility that there is a power at work in the universe, a love at work in the universe that could pull me out of my self-created anxiety and insanity and restore me to who I was created to be. That's all. And the owner of that redemption is the owner of this table, not us. Our ushers are going to come around here in a minute. Don't get weirded out. It's not a second offering. Well, it kind of is, but it's used for something different. For those of you who know us, we want to be with God's broken heart. We want to be where it is, what it cries for, what it's anxious for, what it's fearful for. We want to reach out to where the brokenness is. And we just pass the plate around um, in the hopes that maybe somebody's moved to put a little something extra, a little something, something in it that we can use to buy some food, to pay some rent, to get some shoes or some boots for somebody that just needs to know they're loved. So our usher's going to wait on us. You can use this time to think about what God was putting on your heart today and just know there isn't anything you brought in here that somebody else didn't carry into. In Jesus' name, amen.